unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says that the scriptures are written for for our learning. Isn't that what the Bible says? That through patience and comfort of these very scriptures, we might have Okay? And this hope, this particular hope, we need for the victory that we have in Christ. It's not for failing. Hallelujah. Now, why does the Bible say for patience and comfort? Because when testations come, when attacks come, when things weigh on you and the worst is happening and an evil day appears on a man's life, God knew that that's all the man needs. The man needs patience. The man needs comfort. If you can just be patient, waiting on the Lord, to wait on God for his deliverance, and be comforted in him, you are guaranteed that he'll see it through that at the end of the day, you have the breakthrough and the answer in Jesus' name. Say amen. That's the essence of scripture. Now, every writer writes for different reasons, okay? If you read through scripture, every book has its own purpose. Every writer has his own intention, his own audience, his own segmentation, and the purpose for which he writes. And when you become an ardent reader of the Bible, you start to see through biblical pattern the reason for every book in the Bible, the audience for every book in the Bible. For example, if you want to study about the doctrine of law and grace, no book in scripture teaches law and grace like the book of Romans. If you are still struggling to understand grace versus law, Read Romans. In fact, the first six chapters or seven, they'll sort you. Even in the simplest English, you will understand the grace of God and the law and what that does and what that means. It's easy, okay? If you, for example, look at why Luke wrote, Luke says, uh, having had an understanding of these things from the very first, I choose to write to thee in order, O excellent Theophilus, that thou men have the certainty of those things in which thou has been instructed. So why is Luke writing? Luke is writing for this reason, that yes, the gospels were written, but he discovered that many people had not taken time to put the gospel in an order, in a certain order of the spirit. So Luke is saying, I'm writing to give the order of events because he understood that this order also has a way it ministers to the gospel. Many of the writers then did not probably follow a certain order. So every writer writes differently. Matthew 
is writing for the sake of genealogy and he's trying to define Jesus Christ a certain way. Mark is defining Jesus Christ a certain way. And, and so everyone defines Christ based on what they see and how they see God. So are you following? So every writer writes according to what is inspired in their spirit based on the assignment that they have in God and the revelation to which God has given them touching the person of Christ. Jesus is big. Jesus is what? He's big and he's so deep. But then I choose today to talk about this man, John, as a writer. One of the earliest writers in church history called Eusebius. When you read the writings of Eusebius, Eusebius says John's gospel is the spiritual gospel. So you might think, does that mean that the rest are carnal or that they're not of the spirit? No, that's not what Eusebius is trying to mean. But if you are a student of the word and you study the gospel of John, you will realize that the gospel of John is for the mature. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm not saying that the simple cannot pick lines there, but it's one of the deepest gospels. It is for the mature. And I'll tell you why. Because one, John, by reason one, he was a fisherman. You remember very well. And he was connected both to the north and the south, the country and the city, because he used to come to Jerusalem to trade. And like the rest, he was familiar both with the city and the country life. So he knew his way around life. He lived a good life cousin to Jesus. He became one of Jesus' closest friends. Scriptures tell us that he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. He kept affirming that always. But also, there was evidence that he had a special relationship with God. In fact, one day, Jesus tells Peter of how he would die. <laughs> and when Jesus tells Peter of how he would die, because they know that John is so close to Jesus. Peter asked, what about John? Hey, because sometimes our human nature sort of provokes us to think very interesting thoughts, but he knows, okay, I'm going to die that way. But why do you think of all people? He asks John, because he knows this was the fellow who was always on Jesus' right hand on the night when they ate bread. Is that a Passover? John was here on the bosom of Jesus. He was just closest to this man. They saw this guy. He was always close. And I believe it was no mistake that Jesus chose the closest people around him, okay? And so, these disciples can see that much as, yes, we all have our thing, but there's something between the Christ and John. We don't understand it. So, okay, you've told me of how I'm going to die. Uh-huh, what about John? Okay? Because Peter, I think, used to compare himself with the rest of the disciples in lieu of the relationship that they had with Jesus, and Jesus tells him, what is that to you? What if I want him to stay alive to the day of my coming? Is that anything to you? He tells him, Peter, mind your own business. Follow me. Okay, that's a lesson meanwhile. You know, there are ministers who follow when they're also looking who is doing what, how many people, what have they done? You understand? Some people like going there, then they check call, then they come in their own ministry, then they also check a bit. You understand? No. Run your course. Run your course. Somebody shout hallelujah. Run your word. But interestingly, when Jesus tells him, what will that be to you if I tarry? What if he stays alive until I return? Do you know from there, there was a doctrine that was picked. Some people thought that Jesus meant that John was going to stay alive until Jesus returned. Do you know some people thought that way? This went 
this saying abroad among the brethren that this disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said, not unto him he shall not die. Because when people are reading the scriptures, okay, they read them so literal, they never take time to get the interpretation. And some people take the scriptures as they are without getting the context and the understanding. Now the son of man gave a supposition and somebody took that supposition as doctrinal truth. And many such things we do to the scriptures. They were struggling with a young man sometime who had refused to wash his hands because the disciples of Jesus didn't wash their hands. Did they fall sick? Do you know? I have the life of God. Wah! Uh-uh. Some people take the word like that. It's like when people are interpreting the proverbs of scripture. Some people don't know the fictional part of the proverb and the reality of truth that God intends to imprint in our spirits. And some people read the story and take it on its literal sense and interpret the teaching of the literal sense without the depth of understanding. Why then did Jesus need to expound these things if there was no deeper meaning to the proverbs? Not everybody understands what Jesus taught because the interpretation of a thing is in God to interpret and not just human understanding to interpret. Shout amen. amen. Now, John was a special being, okay? And if you were a reader of the Bible, you realize all the other apostles were killed. John was the last surviving apostle. He lived longer. And if you want to know how deep this fellow is, read the book of Revelation. You'll be amazed. Scrolls and seals were opened to this man. Prophecies were given of the present, future, and past. In fact, he arrested the whole dimension of time, beginning and the end, present, past, and future. That book of Revelation can reveal God now, last year, last week, and in the next 10 years, it carries a relevance. That's why many people cannot read it, because you need to enter a certain realm of understanding beyond even what the average teacher can interpret to understand the book of Revelation. What's one man on the island of Padmos? And so John had a special encounter. Now, in his old age, as he's growing older, as we all know, he wasn't killed. Okay, he survived death, that fellow. Old age, in understanding God, he gets a pen and a paper and writes the gospel of John. Remember, this gospel is by the last surviving apostle. That means he was the only alive fellow that had seen the Christ and walked with him. The rest of them were dead. And in his old life of having tested and walked with God, in John chapter 20, verses 31, he says, but these things, this is a total sum, are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God, and that believing, he said, ye might have life through his name. That is so deep. Whoa, so deep. The total sum of a man who has walked with God for many years, tested every realm of dimension. If you go in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the same was in the beginning with God for nothing that was made that is made without him for all things are made through him and by him for in him was the life and the life was the light and that light shines in darkness and darkness comprehended him. You see where John begins from. He's bored, he doesn't even want to know the genealogy. Let's begin from here. Yeah, 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 Look, touch that, Matthew, thank you. That's your part, thank you, Mark, you did a good job, but let me begin from here. I have tested this. 
Somebody shout hallelujah. And then you see he emphasizes in him was life. Was life. Was life. In him was life. In him was life. So here he says these things are written so that you might what? Believe that Jesus is the Christ, comma, the Son of God and that by believing in him, the Bible says you might have life through his name. You might have life through his name. That you might have life through his name. It's one thing to bear the name of Jesus, but the life of Christ is not working through you. This is what John is trying to tell us. He's saying, I don't want just you to know God, but I want you to have life in his name. That you might have life in his name. That in his name you will conquer. That in his name you'll subdue. That in his life you'll walk in victory. That you might have life in his name. That you might have life in his name. That when you say in the name of Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That you might have life in your jobs. That you might have life in your family. That you might have life in your health. That your children will have life. That your spouses will have life. That your ministry will have life. That everything around you will have life in the name. Do you know how many people say, in the name of Jesus, go and things don't go. Because there is no life. When they say the name. In the name of Jesus, leave. But things don't leave because they don't have life when they are professing the name of Jesus. Life. It is possible to live a life where every time you say in the name of Jesus, something happens. Something happens in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, that day you shall ask me nothing. You shall ask me nothing. He says, and it is John. It's John speaking here. He says, and in that day you shall ask me nothing. But verily, verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Whatever you ask in my name. Whatever you ask in my name. He's saying, don't carry the name in vain. People look at you and say, that woman has God. That man has God. May you walk somewhere soon and hear people saying it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Receive it and say, Amen. May people say, that man has God. That woman, oh, she has God. Why? Because the name is functioning. The name has results. The name has answers. The name is working in your life. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he said, he shall do it for you. He shall give it to you. Whatever you ask. So John is trying to teach us how to tap into the dynamic power of God. He's trying to teach you to know how to function in 
the power of God. That you will have answers. That you will have results. That you will have solutions. That you will have breakthrough. Somebody shout hallelujah. That something will happen and prove that you truly know God. We don't want to live a life of Christianity. Where you say in the name of Jesus and nothing moves. Why you say in the name of Jesus and nothing happens? Why you say in the name of Jesus and there is no result? How long will you call on the name in vain? John says that you might have life through his name. That you might have life through his name. That you might have life through his name. And this is the life of God. Hallelujah. John is trying to talk about life. He's trying to talk about the life that we have in God. He says, the thief cometh, but to steal, kill, and destroy. Again, that's John. John is the one speaking. If you understand this gospel in its entirety, you'll be amazed that this is a deep thing. It's for the mature. He says, the thief cometh only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Amplified says, I came... That she may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Tell your neighbor, I came to enjoy life. Yes, I came to enjoy life. That's why I got born again, to enjoy life and have it more abundantly, full until it overflows. Christianity is a life of enjoyment. That apostle, you know, sometimes things. Yes, you choose that one. May I choose John 10, 10. Somebody shout hallelujah. May you enjoy life. He says, may you have it in abundance, which is the life of God himself. He's saying the life which is on God himself, I want you to have it fully. In its abundance. Wow. 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 That is why I tell people. How can you not enjoy salvation? How can you wake up on Sunday and just stay in bed? Help me. Because I need to know how you just wake up. And the service where life is and you just you understand this is not possible many people left Jesus many and then he turned to his disciples and he asked his disciples are you going to leave also he asked them and the disciples told him, to whom shall we go? Again, John. John is the one speaking these words. Because he's emphasizing the life we have in God. They tell Jesus, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. Do you know why some men did not leave Jesus? 
It is because when Jesus taught, they saw life. They saw life. They saw life. John is the one emphasizing this. He says, the spirit quickeneth. Again, that's John. And the flesh profiteth nothing. Again, John says it. He says, for the words that I speak to you, he says, they are spirit and they are life. This is John. John is trying to emphasize something. Because that's a very missing ingredient in the Christian faith. Many people don't know what we have in the life of God. What is life? The Greek word is zoe. And what is zoe? The very life which God has in himself. The very life which God has in himself. Whatever makes God God, he said you have that life. Do you understand what I'm saying? He said, you have that what? That life. John is trying to share something big. It's not small. It's not small. So I tell people, if he said he came that you might have life to the full and enjoy it, you are supposed to enjoy life. If somebody asks you, why do you be going to church every day? Tell him, I go to receive life. And to your life, no, no, you don't understand. I'm not talking about human life. I'm talking about the life which is of God. Have you ever come so beaten, downtrodden, and frustrated, and then you hear one cast someone, and you're like, that's it. That's it. That's it. Apostle, it's settled. I like it. I like when I meet people like that. You understand what I'm saying? One time someone says, I'm going to come for prayers. I want you to pray for me. There is something disturbing me. So I preached to someone that day and the person came after service and said, I don't need a prayer. <laughs> I said, yeah! <laughs> Glory to God! Why? Because they got the answer. Do you know why Fanero is growing? Because we give you life. Every Sunday. People just don't understand why you find yourself here. Why? We give you life. One can only leave if they don't see it. You can only leave such a fellowship when you don't see life. And chances are you might never find it. Life. The life which is of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that is what John is trying to emphasize. That you might believe Christ is the anointed one, the son of God and that you might have life through his name now let me go a bit deeper here that is why people think Fanero people are excited somebody told me but why do people be screaming can't they just sit in one place <sighs> the mind of John again John said your father Abraham saw my day he rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and he was glad this is John John knows the joy of salvation he knows the joy of salvation 
That is why I, I don't understand people how something so deep can cut you and you just stay like this. Then people start screaming around you and you're like, <laughs> Listen, maybe let me explain it to you in a simpler picture. If a man who was not in the covenant saw the covenant and he was glad, how can you hear the word and stay like, Apostle, me, I'm happy in my own way. <laughs> At least you put on a smile. I said, thank you, Jesus. If you can't scream and shout, just say, thank you, Jesus. And then step. Why? Because if Abraham was not in the New Testament, he saw it and he said, Sarah, come and... Oh! If he was glad and gave his wife a high five and said, Sarah, something is coming. Now, what about you who lives in that thing? How can you just be? Tell your neighbor, be happy, enjoy life. Sometimes I tell people, if somebody is around you and they're shouting, Muleke, you don't know where they're coming from. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't have a clue. Some people, if they tell you, you just won a hundred million. But when the word comes, this thing is more than a hundred million. It's bigger than any amount of money. So if you can get excited because you won 20 million, how much more excitement would you have at the word? That's why I tell people, always rejoice at the entrance of the word. When a word enters you, even if you're in the most composed setting, what is it? You understand? Even if it takes two seconds, but at least mm, feel it and compose yourself. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because this word came to give you life. Every revelation is there to help you enjoy life and have it more abundantly until it overflows. Shout amen. Shout glory to God. So if you're here and you feel people shouting, Then you're in a very silent world. Your world is silent. Heaven is not quiet. You have to get used to this. Because in heaven, there are instruments, there are angels singing there. You have to get used. It's the joy of the Lord. And the Bible says, until it overflows. You see, when you live the life of the overflow, you get to a level where people just look at you and they are changed. Somebody looks at you and they believe God. Because the thing working on your life has an extension of impartation. 
Martha told Jesus, Martha told Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That was half the truth, not the full truth. But at least there was a confidence that if the son of God was there, Lazarus would not die. That's the overflow. When your name is spoken, lives change. When your name is spoken, hope comes. Everybody that associates with you gets imparted and impacted. There is effect in your community. You live by example. People observe your manner of life and want to be like you. They will want to talk like you. They will want to live like you. They will want to do everything you do. Because with you is life. When it overflows, you impact without effort. You effect without effort. You change lives without effort. You just need to show up and the power is there. You just need to show up and the anointing is present. That's called the overflow. You can't help to bless. Even if you say nothing, you bless people around you just because you're there. That's called the power of the overflow. But God says you must grow in this life until everything, even your family, your children just come around you and they say, mm, Mama, what's on you? Dad, what's happening to you? Your family is infected by this thing. Your community, when you go to work, people can see that there's something evident on your life. The communities you live, when they say we are looking for a Christian, they'll point at you. Because your moral life, your spiritual life, everything on your life displays the glory of God. That's the crowning of the spirit. And John is saying, life to the end overflow because of abundance. Shout amen. amen. Now, the Greek word or the Greek language does not use verbs in the tenses the way the English language translates them. In fact, the Greek language uses present continuous tenses for verbs. I'll explain what that means. In the language of, of the Greek, it is present tenses for verbs. And so if I should read for you this scripture in the way it should be translated, because when it was translated in English, the language in which it was written was not respected. Yet the impression is clearly given when we know the language from which a thing is spoken. It gives the deeper meaning. Because it's a present continuous, this scripture would sound like this. It would say, these things are written that you might continue believing that Jesus is the Christ or that you might go on believing that Jesus 
is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by going on believing, or that by continuing to believe, you might go on to have life through his name, or that you might continue having life in his name. It would sound like, for these things were written, that you might continue believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by continuing to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you might continue to have life through his name. There is a continuance. And if you are studying this mystery, John is speaking at the end of the matter for the dimensions of faith. The end of matter in the dimension of faith. Faith has three dimensions. Okay? And let me teach them to you so you understand what I mean. Faith has what? Three dimensions. The first dimension of faith is called credence. Or the acceptation of truth. Credence, okay? The acceptation of truth. It's the English word. You see, credence is the realm where we simply acknowledge something as true. You simply believe that this is true. Something is true. You acknowledge it and say, oh, this is true. This is true. This is true. Okay? This is true. This is true. I believe that this is true. You analyze the facts and credibility of a thing and then come to the appreciation and conclusion that this thing is true. But the conclusion of a thing, the appreciation, the analyzing of a thing, the credibility of a thing to get to its end to know that it is true does not mean that the reality of realizing a truth equals to salvation. This is not the realm of salvation. This is not even saving. James chapter 2 verses 19, he said, you believe that there is one God. That is true. And he says, and thou dost well. To believe. You do well to believe. He says the devils also believe and tremble. Devils also believe it. Devils also believe it. So that realm, even Satan believes it. Satan believes <laughs> that God is God. In fact, Satan believes more than many believers about many things concerning God. Satan believes that God heals more than even many believers do. There are believers right now who are teaching that divine healing is not for the New Testament. And they are barring and being buried. But can you doubt that if you have been in Phanera? Yes, but there are people who doubt that God heals. Yes, Satan doesn't. Satan knows God heals. He knows God delivers. He knows and believes that Jesus died and rose again. He believes it. He just didn't want others to believe it, but he believes it. In the realm of credence, Satan ticks all the boxes. Because that's not the realm that saves you. The next realm of faith is the realm that saves and changes situations. That helps and teaches us apply our faith. And that's the realm of confidence. Okay? Confidence. And in the realm of confidence, we learn to trust God. And obey or apply or work the word. We learn to obey, apply or work the word. That's the realm of confidence. We have a certain boldness in this confidence that actually we can trust God. That's what Ephesians 3.12 says. He says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Did you see there? The word is not by the faith in him. 
the word there is by the faith of him. In other words, that man has received Jesus and Jesus is working in that man to believe. When Jesus is working in you to believe, it's different from you simply believing in as a human being. The human effort can never fully believe the divine to the result of getting the desired answer. No, it's the divine effort. It's the God life in you, Jesus in you believing. And because it is his faith at work in you, you have boldness to access. With what? Confidence. That's the realm of confidence. Where you are confident. When you are in the realm of confidence, you learn to apply the word in every circumstance. That's the essence of obedience. You learn to obey the word. You just obey the word. You learn to trust God that if he say this, that is it. I'm applying it in this situation. Praise God. But you see, that's not the end of the believer. The end of the believer is continuance. Where I began from what John is trying to emphasize. He's trying to take us to the end of faith. The highest dimension of faith, which is continuance. Okay? It is the cultivation of faith becoming a lifestyle not just an application when a man needs it it becomes a lifestyle not just an application in the times when you need it no you start living it you are continually in faith your trust is not broken some people use the word of God like an application on a phone but if I need to call I go to this application if I need to send whatsapp I go to this application if I need to do that I go to this application that's not how faith is supposed to be faith is supposed to have all applications running whether you're sick or not you understand what I'm saying that is why the new birth does not take the man to the end of steps of faith we're not supposed to be teaching, take a step of faith. Because if they say take a step of faith, which step were you in before you took the step of faith? Huh? Which step were you in before you took the step of faith? It means you were not in faith, you were in doubt. Take a step of faith and do this. No, no, no. We're not supposed to take a step of faith. That life of continuous makes faith a state. It's your status. Faith is your status. It's your state. It's your state of living. It's not just the application. And that means you are prepared for anything that comes. You are confident that you have an answer. You are confident that you have an answer even before something happens. When you are in that confidence, you can boldly say, bring it on devil. You can know that the worst can come to you and still know that there is enough in you to give an answer. That's confidence. Continual confidence. It's the continuance of the spirit. When you leave that realm, you don't panic when trouble comes. That is so hard to cultivate. But you can cultivate it when you understand it. Where nothing panics you. Oh, this one is in hospital. They are going to die. <laughs> no bad news causes you to faint. No bad news makes you lose peace and appetite. That's continuance. Kenneth Hagin's wife said, even if both of our children fell dead, you'd not worry. You know why Kenneth got to that level? 
Because he got into the level of continuance. Where regardless of what happens, he has stored up too much word inside him. That nothing shakes him. Whatever comes, goes. But nothing shakes him. I wish you understand what I just said. I wish you understand what I just said. The Bible says in John chapter 15 verses 7. He says in the Amplified, if you live in me, abide vitally united in me. Because when you enter Christ, you've entered Christ. There is no day you can leave him. That's a constant. That's obvious. That when you enter him, you enter him once and that's it. He says, if you live in me and abide vitally united to me, that is step present to me in the spirit. He says, and my words remain in you. And he added, and continue to live in your hearts. Continuance. Continuance. He said, You will ask whatever you will, and it shall be done. Again in John. Again, John is speaking. John is speaking again. Thank you, Jesus. This is John speaking. He's trying to introduce you to a life of continual. You know, I tell people for the last 15 years or so, there has never been a day. I have not learned something new in the word. Has never happened. Oh, so how is the ministry growing? How do you see these? How do you do miracles? How do you cast out devils? How do you do this? How do you walk in the spirit and then prophesy? How do you heal? How do you do this? How do you build ministry? How Continuity, continuation. Oh yes, I worked like many of you are working. I used to have an eight to six p.m. job. Oh yes. And there were times we were so busy that we would go without meals because we were serving customers. You don't eat breakfast and lunch because you're busy. You just realize at six that you've not eaten. And sometimes we'd walk up to nine or ten. And in the middle there, I had to preach the gospel every day. But regardless of the busiest schedules, I always had time for the word. You know why? Because the Lord showed me many years ago that there is something about continuance. A day should never go by when you have not had the word. Never do it. Because the price of not listening to the word is heavier is heavier. Do you know that some of you have lost 20 years, 30 years, 10 years of your life already because you were not applied to the word? And do you know that you have only one life and you have the advantage the summons are available. We give them free of charge. Do you know why I decided to give summons free of charge yet I could have put a price on them and earned money off them? Because when I realized that these words are life, the Spirit told me, never put a charge on life. <laughs> Let me tell you, there are many people who are selling very expensive materials which don't even match a fraction of what we give you. And that's the truth, and I'm not sorry to say it. For $20, $50, $300, you can have a copy of these CDs. 3K. If you don't even have the 3K, bring a flash. You'll put for you for free. 
for free. Because I'm freely given. I'm freely given. My prayers they need to come through CDs. There is ways God can bless me and has blessed me. But every Christian should get into the culture of continual listening. Continual heeding. Never let a day go by when you have not read the word. When you have not listened to the word. That's why I tell people, don't miss service at any cost. You must build a priority with God where your girlfriend, your spouse, your family, they know if they look for you on a Thursday evening. If they look for you on a Sunday, they're in trouble. They have to know it. Some of you, Satan can even put an event on a day. You need to be in the presence. Why Thursday? Why isn't it on Wednesday? Why isn't it on another day? Why would it fall on the day when God needs to feed you? Why? Now, it's you to decide to draw your priority. God is my priority. You can't find me anywhere on a Thursday evening. Why? Doing what? I have a destiny. How about Uganda? I have a destiny. And I know what God has called me to do. My family has never made programs, even before we started Fanero. They knew that on Sunday, we pray. It's a family thing. In my family, they don't make programs in prayer time. We don't. We don't. This one is so important. Don't go to church. Come. No. Even if someone has died, we first pray, then go and bury. That's who we are. Because God takes precedence. These are the results you see. Continuity. I don't care how busy you are. Get the sermon and put it in the ear. At least hear two sentences and sleep off. Nenga, you've had two. I tell people, you'd rather sleep on a sermon. You know how you put on music to sleep? Watch you put a sermon on and oh, that's okay. Those two lines can change your life. Those two, three lines you've heard. Because the word is spirit and life. I can never emphasize this. Never spend a day without learning something. Because I'll give an example. When David said, I desired your word more than necessary food. This man got to a level where he could go without food and have the word of God. Now, if the word of God is spiritual food, like physical food is to the body, what happens if you eat sometimes and sometimes you don't eat? What will happen to your body? It will get famished, malnourished. And that means you'll not have enough to keep you bigger, isn't it? So it is with the spirit. If you can't go without tea, how can you go without the word? Some of you, the first thing in the morning, you get a glass of water. And I love health freaks. They interest me. Every day I take a glass of water in the morning as a must. Well, every day I read the word as a must. May your conversations change. If you have time, take a glass of water. This word is eternal. It is determining how you're going to live 
after this life. How can you be able to drink a glass of water and not have time for the word? It's not possible. The word of God must take precedence. Some of you, your best time of study is morning. Some of you, it's evening. Some of you, you work so hard that you don't have time. Hey, get a CD, put it in your car. By the time you get to work, as you're listening to the word, you're speaking in tongues. That is enough for the day. Even if it's two minutes, but whatever it is, take a dose each day. Continual. Somebody shout hallelujah. When you do that, it's amazing that what was an application in trouble becomes a state of living. You start to realize things don't shake you like they used to. Because you're a man of the word. I tell people, it's not possible to listen to the word every day and you can't quote scriptures of head. It's not possible. Because you're listening to the word every day. What you listen to comes out of you. You don't force it. You just find yourself saying, Jeremiah chapter this and that says this. Why? Because the word of God is flowing out of your spirit. Somebody shout amen. amen. When Jesus entered the wilderness, turn these stones into bread. It is written, that man shall not leave by bread alone, but by every word of God. That's why we live. That's what we live for. Every temptation of the devil was counterattacked with the word because the Christ had enough word within him. That's the victory. That's the thing that inspires you to live the life of salvation in victory because the word of God is not something you go to. It is something that lives with you constantly, constantly, constantly. A young man came, he had failed many years, he had wasted his life in many things, and then he came stuck. And he said, Apostle Grace, I am so stuck. I am so stuck. I don't know where to begin from. He lost his most primal years of youth in drugs and alcohol and everything, and he lost everything. And he told me, what should I do? And I told him, look, if you can promise me that you're going to listen to the word of God every day, give me only three months. You'll see what's going to happen. Three months. After three months, everything changed. And he came and told me, Apostle, things are working. And I told him, aha. Now, if that can work in three months, what will happen to you in one year. And then says, Apostle, me, I listen to the word, me, I do everything, but nothing is happening. You're lying. If you remain, abide in me vitally, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts, you will ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. Either God is lying or you are. I said either God is lying or you are. Either God is true or not. Let God be true and every man a liar. No man continually has the word of God living in his heart. Fails. It's not possible. But me, apostle, I read the word. I pray. No. You don't read it like you should. 
I even pray. No, you don't pray like you should. It's not possible to read the word that way and not have the results of the word. It's not possible. It's not possible. You're lying. Do you know how many pastors read the word just for a sermon? Because they have to preach. It says, ha. What am I going to preach? Uh -huh. Let me preach about Jericho. You understand? <laughs> Men of God, our preaching is different from our living. I don't live to make sermons for men. I live for me with God to understand and know him. What we give you are results of many years. Do you know there are things I teach and I learned them like 10 years ago? I have too much. Too much. I have too much. That if you told me preach every day, I would have a different sermon every day. I have never run out. And if you know me for 10 years, I am deeper every year. Why? Continuation. Continuance. Feel it inside you until when you speak it, eh? You quote scriptures even without knowing. That's the life. When you do that, you'll start to see how the anointing will work in your ministry. There are times I read the word and I'm walking and people just get slain. I'm full. And by the way, let me correct this. Not everyone who gets slain is under a demon spirit. Some people think that everyone who gets slain is under a demon spirit. No. <laughs> 99% of the people who get slain in Fanera are not under the evil spirits. It's just God dealing with them. You understand? But sometimes I would read the word and the anointing is so deep that even people near me feel it. There are many times people come into my office and just start weeping. And they weep. I don't know why I'm weeping. No, it's the presence. But you know why this presence is activated? And when you read and it works, you read more. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because that's the thing that cleanses the lepers and raises the dead and gets rid of the cancer, gets the HIV out of the body. That is the thing that changes families. That is the thing that heals the incurable things. That is the thing that changes society. It's the thing that writes history. It's the thing that leaves marks. The word of God must be so deeply imbued in you that when they cut you, you bleed scripture. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. Shout amen. John. 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 Somebody shout hallelujah. In John 1.16, he says, out of his fullness, Abundance. Who? Who's abundance? Who's abundance? Christ, the anointed one. Let's go back to John. He says that these things are written that you might continue believing that Jesus is the Christ. The Christ. The power of believing that Jesus is the Christ. The power of believing that Jesus is the Christ. 
to just believe that he is the Christ. He said, if you can continue believing that Jesus is the anointed one, he said, you will continue having life in his name. If you continue believing that thought that Jesus is the anointed one, is Christ. The word Christ there means the anointed one. That Jesus is the Christ. There is power in that sentence. That Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. That sentence alone can change your destiny. Why? Because when you talk about the Christ, the anointed one, it means that he was consecrated to the Messianic office. Do you know the power you need to take the sins of the whole world? Do you know how much anointing you need to carry all the sins of the world? How much anointing that is? Do you know how much anointing it takes for a man to carry all the sicknesses of the world? Do you know how much anointing it takes for a man to carry all the poverty of the world? Do you know what it means for one man to carry the spirit of death for the whole world? The Bible says that he went in hell and he shook them and not. He spoiled the principalities and powers and made a public show of them triumphing over all of them. And he comes out as a victor. Do you know what that means? Do you know what it means? It means one, when you have him, you don't believe God for victory. You don't believe God for breakthrough. You don't believe God for answers. You don't believe God for triumph. It was done in Colossians 2.15. When he went in hell, he did everything necessary. The messianic office means I did the hardest part of this anointing. I did the hardest part. I went in hell, slapped the devil out of his brains, made a public spectacle, shook the whole of hell and shook them a not, dragged the fool in earth, heaven and hell and said, you have nothing in you. And I threw him back a defeated foe and an enemy. And he says, the life of the Christian faith begins from there. So, where if the doctor said, oh, there's stage four cancer in your life. If you are in the continuance, you would know that that is temporal. Why? It's not even about what God should do. It's in the realm of what God has already done. So you see that it finds you ready. You say, uh-uh, I don't care the worst disease in the world. I can't die. I'm not going to die of this fool. Because he was defeated long ago. But what do you do when the doctrines are warped? When the doctrines are confused? Even in our songs we sing. This song means I'm going to fight the devil with the word and I will win. And I'll fight the spirits, the evil spirits in the name of Jesus and I shall win. They are putting their victory in the future. They're doing it all wrong. They're singing it all wrong. You are more than a conqueror. Through Christ which strengthens you. By the time 
this thing comes, it has come late because the victory was already given in Christ. If you believe it, shout amen. That's our victory. So we are fighting a defeated enemy. The new creation is fighting tricks, not power. Oh, but the Bible says that we fight against principalities, powers. The word therefore powers is not dunamis, which is the active power to cause effect and change. No, it is exousia, which is authority extended by the principalities. Satan does not have power over the new creation. No power. No power. That means disease can't kill you. Poverty can't kill you. Nothing can kill you. Nothing can kill you. Nothing can kill you. Nothing can destroy you. We are not even in the realm of you shall be victorious. Sometimes we use that language for people to understand. But the true language should be that you have conquered. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. And so, John is taking us to this very intricate Understanding. He says of this man, of his fullness, who was 100% God. He says of his fullness, his abundance, his abundance, not yours, his abundance. The Bible says we have all received, all of us, every man in this room, whether you are an apostle or you're a normal person. We have all received, all had a share, and we are all supplied with one grace. That means the grace on the Christ is the grace on you after another and it continues to increase you see continuation spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing that is a continuation of increase even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift that means the more you live in this word every day are you hearing me there's something adding on you because you have received of Christ. That means the fullness of Christ is a life of continual increase. It's one fullness, but it's of continual increase. Because it's not limited. It does not have measure. People start to observe your life and every day you look better. Every day you are healthier. Every day you are richer. Every day you're wiser. Every day you increase by something. Something increases on you every day. If you understand this, you'll grow younger. The anointing will make you look what? Tell your neighbor, you're going nowhere. And I'm sorry. I'm going to bash a certain myth. I've started hearing a conversation in the Christian circles where some people say it is normal to have weak bones at this age. It is normal to have arthritis. It's not a devil. Aboruganda. Aboruganda. We are not going to have arthritis at 70. At 70. Healthy. Refuse to be sick. 70 years old, mm, caliber, 90. You shake someone's hand and they say, mm, the word of God, the word of God. No man at the sound of my 
my voice will be weak in their old age. You will play with your children and grandchildren. Yeah. Do you know the joy I find when I see my mother chasing her grandkids? It's beautiful. And she's chasing them. And they're chasing each other. And they're running. And I'm like, this is it. No. No. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm come that you might have life and life to the fullest. Somebody shout amen. amen. But he insists that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he is a son of God. He said it's a revelation. It's a revelation. Jesus comes to his disciples. He asks them, what do men say I am? And the disciples say, some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elias or Isaiah. Some say you're one of those prophets. And then he asks them, but who do you think I am? And the exact wordings in John, Simon Peter answered. He said, thou art the Christ, comma, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood revealed this not unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed this. And he says, and now, you're not Simon, but Jonah. Now, I have son named you, Peter. And on this rock, this rock, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell he said, they will not what? Prevail. They will not prevail. Remember, the war is not at your gates, at the gates of the church. He said, and the gates of hell. So that means when you understand this, you're the one at the gates of hell causing war. The war is not at the gates of the church. No, you're the one invading. Are you hearing me? He says, and the gates of hell hell shall not prevail and he says behold I give you keys whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth it shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever you loosen on the earth it shall be whatsoever it shall be loosened in heaven it means when you have the keys of the kingdom of heaven it means you open heaven and you close it at will That's the mystery of living under an open heaven. When Jesus was baptized, the Bible says the heavens were open to him. Heavens don't open over congregations. They open over individuals. And they only open to individuals who have keys to open them. He said, you will open. I give you keys of the kingdom of heaven. He said, whatsoever you bind on the earth, it shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loosen on the earth, it shall be loosened in the heavens. Can you imagine how much power that is? But do you know why all that came to Peter? Do you know that when Jesus had that revelation, he said, this is the revelation that I build the church on. This one which Peter's just said. Now when John saw it, he says, these things are written that you might believe, continue believing, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And as you continue believing 
that he said you will have life in his name I want you to speak in other tongues if you have them come on speak like one with life I want you to speak life receive the life thank God for the life I want you to open your mouth and start speaking. Pray by the Spirit.
sound of my voice that life is activated in your life and that you're going to live a life of active faith not application but state of faith all things are possible to him that believeth because the life of God is in you now if Jesus never failed under any circumstances, you will not fail. It doesn't matter how bad or how high it has gone, God is going to walk through you to fix it. The life of God is working in your life, your family, your relationships, your ministry. Everything you represent has life. Receive it and shout amen. Divine health is yours is yours strength is yours favor is yours victory is yours blessing is yours grace is yours in the mighty name of Jesus say amen so if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ and you're not born again you're going to repeat these words after me say Jesus I thank you for your word tonight I choose to believe you that you are the Christ the son of the living God that you died for me and was raised for me tonight I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life Amen. I'm born again. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash 
Finero. Make manifest.